It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the sports, sports Rush with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now, here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all Time to take you over the hump on a Wednesday edition of the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, four to six. I am Brett Rump, our producer, Adam Lundy, in the house. We also have you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. It's going to be a busy, busy two hours as we get uh, all out of here. And I head to a Mastodon's game. And Adam, he's probably got better things to do now that he's actually got a Valentine and got special plans tonight. Nope. I'll, nope. Be, I'll be here, man. Oh, you got to work? We got high school hockey. We got the Memorial Cup playoffs going on tonight oh. at 9 p.m. Okay, so you'll be in the studio. I'll be at the Coliseum. Mastodon's in Oakland tonight. Hey, man, we put that love stuff aside, man. <laughs> we love the sports. We love the game, man. Yeah, for the love of the game. Love of the game. That's what we're doing tonight. <laughs> uh, but it'll be a big one at the Coliseum. Also, speaking of college basketball, last night, Indiana State couldn't handle success. Just not tough enough to handle it. And they fall. As soon as they get ranked, they fall. The tree fell. <laughs> they read the media. You know, it's like, no, do not follow. What's I mean, they had a flat game. They didn't shoot well. And, and it's like a lot of college basketball teams go through this at some point where they just have a night that's unexplainable. And Illinois State ended up beating Indiana State in Terre Haute 80-67. to as the uh, Sycamores give up 80 points to Illinois State, that's not that good a basketball team. Ah, that's rough. You know, every once in a while, you, like you said, you just have those nights where it's just inexplicable. I mean, Indiana bit. State shoots 36.4%. They're one of the nation's, if not the nation's, top field goal percentage shooting team. Uh, they're the best three-point shooting team, and they were about half their percentage for on the season. They hit only 21.1% from distance. Illinois State, meanwhile, shot 52% from the field. And uh, and so it just it just went south for Indiana State. Redbirds, they got a freshman, Johnny Kinziger, uh, who ended up scoring 31 points. He was 10 for 12 from the field. And so a freshman leads the Redbirds to the win at Indiana State with a packed crowd. Uh, they were uh, all fired up by being number 23 in the country, and now they'll probably slip right out of the polls, maybe never to be heard from again. As soon as we give them credit, and you know what? It, actually, we've been giving them credit for a month now, and they've been winning. You know who jumped on the bandwagon this week? It was Caleb and Kenny. So I think we blame them for this loss because they <laughs> they've all of a sudden they talked about Indiana State on the show and what happens? Sycamores lose their next game. Coincidence? I think not. I I think uh, Caleb and Kenny are big down in Terre Haute, and I think they uh, they caught on. 
but anyway, yeah, tough night for the uh, the Sycamores. You know who else had a uh, tough night last night? Who else? Unfortunately, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ooh. And it cost Chris Holtman his job. As today, the Ohio State Buckeyes fire Chris Holtman as their basketball coach. Now, we've talked about this. You have, yeah. Uh, I mean, new athletic director, will Chris Holtman survive this season? I did not expect that this decision was going to come with games still remaining on the schedule. But uh, here it is. And uh, I think, in fact, doesn't... uh, doesn't Indiana or Purdue have Ohio State on the schedule coming up? I believe it's Purdue. Purdue, let's see. Does it say on our... Yeah, Purdue's at Ohio State on Sunday. That's yep. going to be the next Ohio State Buckeyes game. Very interesting. And and so you get a home game against the number two team in the country. And you wonder if there's apathy where the fans just aren't buying tickets. And it's and the Ohio State administration and athletic director, they thought this should be one of those automatic sellouts. You've got the number two team in the country coming into your place, national television. And, uh, you know, maybe he felt like making the move right now would inspire people to come give this team a look and see how they are with a different coach leading them. Of course, it'll be an assistant coach because they won't get their regular coach hired uh, this fast. But but it does give Ohio State a little bit of a head start. Now, DePaul got the first start because they fired their coach almost midseason. But uh, Ohio State now has a little bit of a head start on their coaching search, and I don't know if it will help them get the candidate that they decide they want, but... They are one of the first real premier openings, and obviously Ohio State would be a better job than DePaul. So Chris Holtman, and, and it's it's tough because Chris Holtman's a heck of a nice guy, and I think, uh, you know, the problems is the, the changing landscape of college basketball. We've seen it with, uh, you know, some longtime coaches, Jim Beheim, Mike Krzyzewski, um, Jay Wright. I mean, you had a number of coaches that ended up stepping away from the game when they were still successful. And I think a part it was the due to the fact that, uh, you know, the NIL, the transfer portal, it changed the role of the head coach. And for that, I, I, I just, I don't know if the game passed him by or if he couldn't keep up or if it, what it was. We'll talk to Kent Sterling about this coming up in our next hour because Kent's going to be joining the show at about 5.20. But Chris Holtman is out at Ohio State. It came maybe sooner rather than what we expected it to come. But, uh, you know, Adam, we put together a draft of what we're expecting to talk about on the show. And one of the things I expected to talk about was how bad Ohio State was last night, especially in that first half. And it turns out, uh, I guess we're going to have to talk about it in a little different light because it actually now is the game that really was the final straw in costing Coach Holtman his job. But last night, Ohio State scored just 21 points in the first half. You Uh. cannot do that. I mean, 21 is just embarrassing for a Big Ten basketball team that's supposed to have premier talent. You should have enough offense that even on an off night, you get close to 30, but, uh, you know, on a bad half. But, uh, but in the, but in the end, it, uh, it, it's Chris Holtman out at Ohio State. And Chris Holtman is going to get a big fat paycheck. Oh, yes, he is. Uh, his buyout, I, I've heard it numbers between 14 and 20 million. 
but uh, I think it's probably at least in the range of 14, 15 million. It is going to be definitely at least 14 million. That's how much they do owe him in guaranteed salary. But if there's more to a buyout, I don't know. Yeah, if it's there's something be, else on top of it. Yeah, but it's going to be at least 14 million. Uh, so there's going to be a, a pretty uh, wealthy Chris Holtman that's out on the job market. And I don't know how anxious he'll be to dive back in. Chris Holtman will probably get TV opportunities. He's a likable guy personable, well-spoken. He probably is going to get immediately media opportunities, whether that's covering the Big Ten tournament. You know, <laughs> you just wonder how quick he's going to be comfortable going out in the public and, and you know, in the spotlight again. But uh, but he's he, I think he definitely probably could go that route if he chooses to, or he could look for another job. Is he going to be a guy that's the front runner for another power conference job? Maybe not. High major uh, but but he could be a very big draw for like a Mac school or, you know, something in that type of a, a neighborhood. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Yeah, we did get a text on the text line. They ask, is Michigan next to pull the plug? Yes, that's going to be next. I, I just can't see that Jawan Howard is going to survive this. It seems like he just has no control over the program. The players have been a disaster. They haven't performed. Um, there is no reason a program like Michigan should be in the position Michigan is in uh, at the bottom of the Big Ten standings. And so I, I, I cannot imagine that Michigan, especially after their rival Ohio State makes a move with their coach, you almost feel like, the okay. dominoes, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Michigan, you're up, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I just I just kind of feel like that's going to happen with Juan Howard. 46862 is the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media. We uh, are on X, formerly known as Twitter, at SportsRush1380, at 1380 the Fan, at Brett Sports, and at Adam Sports Radio. Just uh, be sure you look for us on X and give us a follow to keep up with all the latest because we not only talk from 4 to 6, but we are busy typing 24-7. Uh, we still will say tweeting. We're not going to say posting. Yeah, I know. It's hard to say posting. <laughs> uh, we we tweet. Even if it's on X, we're still tweeting. On the text line, somebody says, hopefully Indiana is next. <laughs> not happening. I, you know, I just don't think it's happening. Um, I First of all, you've got an athletic director who made the decision to hire Mike Woodson. Right. And in some ways, that is an indictment against how you're performing as an athletic director to fire the coach that you picked to take that job. Because it's saying, I, I made this decision and I'm going to admit it was a bad one. And so there's always going to be a little more tolerance by an athletic director who's got a coach that they hired. They will find the reasons to keep them, and they will try to coach them through it as a uh, supervisor. And that's why I think Mike Woodson has another year. But things do have to start trending up, or there's going to start to be a lot of pressure, as there has been on the last couple of coaches at Indiana when the fan base decided they were kind of past them. And... uh And so I don't know who would be next. Now, here's the interesting thing is looking at some of these openings, you know, Ohio State's open, Michigan might open up. Um, You know, I I don't know what else could become available. But when you look at a Dusty May, who seems to be one of the popular names, especially when you talk Indiana because of his connections to Indiana, 
but does Mike Woodson, who had a connection to Indiana and didn't exactly perform, does that hurt Dusty May's chances? Or does it satisfy a part of the fan base that thinks it has to be someone with Indiana ties? That's what they feel strongly about. I I, I don't know. But if Dusty May is all of a sudden uh, surfacing in the media that he is a possibility to go to Ohio State, does Indiana have to react to that? Or does Indiana just let him go and think, well, it's not our time? Because, you know, because then if Woodson does fail... Now you probably lost who might be your best candidate. And you lost him to a team that's in your conference that you're going to play once or twice every year. 46862. I think Ohio State may be one of those teams on the schedule twice because of the proximity to Indiana. Because they, they're, they're scheduling next mm-hmm. year based on rivalries and proximity. I don't know that the rivalry is necessarily there. And I don't know if Ohio State really has a basketball rival. But as far as proximity, Ohio State is closest, probably to Penn State, Indiana, maybe Michigan. I I, I don't know. I'd have to look at a map and figure it out exactly. <laughs> but but I don't know what the future is going to be for Ohio State, for Dusty May, and for Indiana. But I do think Mike Woodson's going to be there for another year. So it's like suck it up, just get ready for it, Hoosiers fans. Even if you're not happy with how this year went, you got to figure out solutions that don't involve. A new coach, because that's probably not going to happen with Scott Dolson being the guy that hired Mike Woodson and Scott Dolson having to answer to the people that supported his decision to hire Mike Woodson, namely Quinn Buckner, who's probably first on that list. Yeah, we did get another text at 46862. They said Quinn Buckner strong armed Dolson into hiring Woodson. He's a major part of the IU basketball problem. Uh, Could be. But it's a problem you're kind of stuck with right now. Yeah. And I don't know what the buyout situation would be with Mike Woodson. If it's a declining buyout, if it's they owe him a a guaranteed contract. I don't know exactly what Indiana set up with Mike Woodson, to be quite honest. But that could come into it because, remember, they had to suck up a big buyout to Tom Allen. And so they're already on the hook for that. Do they want to have another big buyout with their basketball program? I don't know that they do. And they just upped the budget for football because they not only paid to get Kurt Signetti, but they upped the staff pay so he is able to pay his coordinators and his coaching staff much more money than the coaching staff made under Tom Allen. Yeah, so Indiana gave uh, Woodson actually that $1 million per year raise in August. So he gets $4.2 million a year through 2027. Um, and his buyout before April 1st of 2025 is 100% of the money left on the deal. That's uh, pretty significant then. Yeah. <laughs> 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Always like to hear from you, and we always like to get today's top headlines. So let's do that right now. Here comes Adam Lundy. All right, Brett. Well, a bit of a serious situation is developing. Shots were fired at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade near Union Station in Kansas City. Sources are saying that there are nine injured and one dead. Two armed people were taken into custody per police. A terrible ending to what should have been a day of celebration, and we send our thoughts terrible. and prayers to the people of Kansas City. Terrible. Why, why does this have to happen? Just what real. is the motivation? It's a day of joy and celebration, and some idiot had to go and ruin it and cost someone their life 
And I mean, I just a total head shaker. It's just so, so discouraging. Yep. Very sad news there. The University of Notre Dame football team has announced the return of the Shamrock Series to Yankee Stadium in 2024. Notre Dame will face Army on November 23rd of this year, celebrating the 100th anniversary of the fabled Four Horsemen backfield and the 13-7 upset victory over Armory in, in New York on October 18th of 1924. The game will be broadcast nationally on NBC and Peacock and marks the third Shamrock Series game to be played at Yankee Stadium. Some Big Ten basketball news. Northwestern guard Ty Berry tore his meniscus and is out for the rest of the season. Chris Collins announced Berry underwent successful surgery this week and is expected to make a full recovery. <laughs> Look for more production out of your one of your favorite players. Boo Booey. Boo Booey. We, well, Purdue fans just like all of a sudden their ears opened up when we <laughs> said that Northwestern has a guard that's out for the rest of the season. Unfortunately for Northwestern fans and for Ty Berry, but that was where Purdue had a struggle with Northwestern was in containing those two explosive guards, Ty Berry and Boo Booey, and now one of them out for the year. Absolutely. And San Francisco head coach Kyle Shanahan told the media today that he has fired Steve Wilkes as defensive coordinator of the 49ers. There were signs at the end of the Super Bowl that Shanahan was less than pleased with the defensive strategy, particularly with the timeout call. And, uh, well, it, you saw it, and, and credit to Jim Nance and Tony Romo, who already have kind of blasted this week, <laughs> yeah. but you give them credit because... They were all over it when Shanahan called the timeout defensively on the final drive, and you could tell that he was not happy with whatever the defensive strategy was, whatever the defense was in at that point, and didn't like it matched up against whatever Kansas City was doing, and called the timeout to change things and kind of take charge of the defense, and the... Uh, the pairing of Nance and Romo, they were all over it, informing listeners that that was why the timeout was called. So I give them a lot of credit. They saw it coming. And uh, and in fact, it, it was almost like they were tipped off that there might be something between Shanahan and Steve Wiltz. Because uh, if you notice, during the course of the game, there were a lot of camera shots of uh, Wiltz on the sideline. And, uh, you know, and they, they were commenting about the defense and the defensive calls, whether he'd be back. And so you almost wonder if in some meeting or something, they got kind of word that there might have been a, a separation coming between these two. That it? That's it for today. There we go. Today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. All right. Coming up next, I'm going to give you the most comprehensive preview of the semi-state matchups with our three Fort Wayne area schools. Homestead, Norwell, and Bishop Lures. I mean, I'm going to give you the information no one else is going to give you. And you're going to get it on a Wednesday. Plenty of time to absorb it and understand it before the big games come up this Saturday. I've got that coming up next. This is Mike Nutter, team president of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. And you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush. Big news today. Chris Holtman is out as the Ohio State basketball coach. He was informed earlier today after Ohio State lost last night to Wisconsin. And it wasn't close. It wasn't a pretty game. Just 21 points in the first half of a 62-54 loss to Wisconsin. And today, Chris Holtman is out at Ohio State. Of course, the Boilermakers will be playing the Ohio State Buckeyes this Sunday 
We've got coverage right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM starting with the pregame show at 12 noon on Sunday. All right, so we've talked about the semi-state coming up this Saturday. Girls basketball now, three survivors, the three teams that have historically been the most successful in our area. All three have advanced this year. Uh, You've got Homestead, who has 18 sectional titles in 4A. They've won five regionals, one state. They're going to be playing Lake Central in Laporte. In 3A, you've got Norwell, who's claimed 17 sectional titles, five regionals. Still looking for that elusive first state championship. But uh, Bishop Lewers, they've got six titles. And uh, in 2A, they will be playing this Saturday as well. And uh, Lewers will be taking on Lapel. And you look at uh, those three programs all in action. Well, let's give you a quick breakdown of what to expect. The most comprehensive preview that you will get on these uh, these three games. First of all, Homestead takes on Lake Central. Nobody knows anything about Lake Central because geographically they are located in St. John's. Now everybody knows right where they're at, right? No, you don't even know where St. John's is. Well, I'll tell you that St. John's is about eight miles west of Merrillville. It is south of Highway 30, and it's only two miles from the Illinois border. So it is not on the lake, like Lake Michigan. It's actually uh, probably 20, 25 miles from Lake Michigan. But it is right up against the state of Illinois. The Lake Central's had a really terrific run. Over the last three years, they are 71 and 14. Uh, this is the third year in a row that they've advanced through the tournament play. Last year, got all the way to the semi-state championship. They were that close to make it down to, to uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse and got beat. And uh, and in the regional championship last week, they avenged an earlier regular season loss to a very good South Bend, Washington team and won the regional. Now, there are three losses they had against Indiana teams were to teams with a combined 69-10 and 10 record. So they did not have a bad loss. They got beat by three really good teams. They, uh, uh, they're they all balanced. Uh, they're all about balance. They've got balanced scoring, four players that score between 8.6, 9.3 points per game. So a lot of nine-point scorers when you look at this roster for uh, Lake Central. But they also have experience. These girls have been together. They've been the core unit that has led this team over the last three years to the 71 and 14 record. Uh, there's great chemistry. They've got, uh, uh, four seniors in their top six, plus the other two are juniors. So they've been playing together for a while with Homestead, obviously a very young team. They've got four sophomores in the starting lineup. Maya Epps is kind of their key player, but they've got plenty of other significant contributors that uh, that join her. But the way I look at it, number one, Homestead has to get help from the supporting cast. And what that means is Maya Epps try to get her to, to get hers. And it's going to be a challenge because Lake Central is obviously going to key on, on Maya Epps. First thing you do in the scout is try to find out what does Homestead do best when Homestead is at their best. And one of the things they do well is they get Maya Epps going offensively. And she dominated that second half against Columbia City. And I guarantee you, Lake Central has watched that video. And so one of the keys is to 
to try to make Lake Central pay if they collapse the lane, and that's for kickouts. Homestead always has great shooters, but they've got to be able to make their shots. They can't buckle under the pressure. Uh, sometimes, you know, you get to this point in the season, and I think there's an extra emotion and an extra sense of urgency for teams that have a lot of seniors. But on the flip side, you've got a young team that has no pressure because they've got next year. What's better, to have that freedom and that lack of pressure or to know this is this is do or die? We do not have another year to come back and play because that's what Lake Central has. With all the seniors they've got, they're going to probably take a step back next year. This is it for them, much like it was for Columbia City. Now, Columbia City could still be good next year because they've got Baxter returning. But she's going to have to do a lot more and carry a lot more of the load because she's not going to have all those seniors out there to help her. So Lake Central, the experienced team, Homestead, the young team that has nothing to lose, what ends up playing out? Well, those those role players need to shoot well. The best player on the floor has to have a good game. Maya Epps, you're going to be the best player on the floor. Out of the two teams, you're the best that's going to be out there. And, you know, not to add pressure to a sophomore, but when you get to this stage and you've got to be able to step up and elevate your game to meet the moment. And that's the stage that is set for Maya Epps. Bottom line, I don't know if Homestead can continue the path. They've got the long road trip. They've got a team that's got tons of experience that is on a mission. And they already knocked off one team that was in a similar spot, and that was Columbia City. Can they do it again? Yes, they can. Do I pick them to do it again? No. Slight right. edge to Lake Central. <laughs> Bulletin board, Brett, back at it again here for our local team. <laughs> to 50. Okay, okay. Yeah, write that one on the bulletin board. There you go, providing the material. Yep, it's there. <laughs> Need a little extra push, a little extra motivation, you got it. There you go. Let's go to 3A, Let's shall do we? it, yeah. Norwell takes on Hamilton Heights. We'll have this game. And we will have this game right here on the radio starting at 10 o'clock, live from Huntington North High School. And I believe it is Caleb that's got the call. Somebody is going to be broadcasting this game, and somebody, or actually, you know what? It's I think it's Josh. Oh, okay. I think it's Josh. Awesome. I, I don't We'll have some wonderful play-by-play coming up on Saturday at 10 a.m. It'll be somebody. You know, Caleb told me, but I slept since then, so (laughs) I don't. If it's not in writing, it never happened. There you go. I was told that the other day. Um, So, anyway, we've got play-by-play of Norwell Hamilton Heights. Uh, Hamilton Heights is 24 and two. We know about the number one versus number two rankings. Yes, that adds a lot of pressure to this game. But ultimately, the mission is very simple for Norwell. And Eric Thornton is such a terrific coach that I think when you make a game plan as simple as it's going to be against Hamilton Heights, Norwell is going to find a way to win this game. And the reason it's simple is because Cameron Runner is a big-time player, a bona fide superstar, heading to Evansville after her high school days are over. And she is averaging 27 points a game for Hamilton Heights. You've got to be able to contain, maybe not shut her out, but you've got to be able to contain her and keep her from going off for a big number. And I think Norwell will have some type of a game plan and a strategy to limit Cameron Runner. Uh, She averages 27 points, also 5.6 rebounds, 4.1 steals. So she's able to convert defense into offense. A very good uh, six-foot guard. 
Uh, I think she's like 5'10", but she is an Evansville commit, and uh, I think the key to this is going to be how well Norwell defends. In the two losses, uh, the uh, they scored 38 and 44 points, and I'm talking about Hamilton Heights. And so for Norwell, they've got to try to limit Hamilton Heights, keep them under 40, and I think that gives Norwell a good shot here. You've got Kennedy Filling, who is now the all-time leading scorer for Norwell. I expect her to have a solid game. Uh, I, I, I think if you look back and say, okay, Woodland got beat by Hamilton Heights, but you know what? It was only a one-point game when Jay County played Hamilton Heights. And so... We've had some, you know, some teams that have shown Hamilton Heights can get beat. I think Norwell's got the opportunity. It'll be a big, big Norwell crowd at Huntington North because of the short distance. I think they use that home crowd. They use the defense on Cameron Runner, and they defeat Hamilton Heights 49-46. to 46. Uh, Hopefully that doesn't make the bulletin board at Hamilton Heights. <laughs> All the Hamilton Heights listeners out there. Uh, all right, so let's talk Bishop Lewis lapel. Yeah, do uh, it. simple. Lanaya Willis or Lanaya Wills. That's even simpler. <laughs> Lanaya Wills is a six foot sophomore for Lapel. Led the state in rebounding and double doubles last year as a freshman. Oh my goodness, she is a sophomore and a very talented sophomore. <clears throat> I know a couple coaches that might want to. Ooh. Listen to this. Uh, a six-foot sophomore that averages 19 points and 12.8 rebounds. Now, Lures does have some size to be able to match up. Addie Shank is going to have her hands full. But here's the question. Can you match up and not foul? Can you stay out of foul trouble? Because Wills is a, a player that's going to create pressure on the defense not to foul and uh, a big-time scorer, even though she's just a sophomore. So uh, for Bishop Lures, they've got to be able to keep her off the glass. They can't let her have any easy buckets. When you, you know, you have five defenders that force a tough shot, and the ball comes off the rim, it is a major letdown when somebody grabs it and puts it in for a layup. It's like, why did, you know, what happened to the great defense when it ends up in a possession that results in a layup? And so you've got to be able to keep Wills off the glass. And I think if either big, and we're talking Wills, who's going to also have to guard a talented offensive player uh, for for uh, for Bishop Lures, I think if either big gets in foul trouble, could be a long day for that team. So Madeline Pointer, a 5'10 senior guard, also scores 16 points. She's 36% from three. But I don't think Pointer's the one that's going to beat you. I think you just have to make sure she doesn't get great looks at three. But ultimately, uh, I think Lures can win this game. I think Lures' competition of who they've played this year is going to significantly help them in this matchup. They've played bigger, tougher, stronger schools. They've had a tougher schedule. And so, therefore, Bishop Lures is my pick to win. And I give them a 56-54 win over lapel all right you're predicting some close action some exciting uh, games I, do. I mean these are good teams you know it wasn't like somebody slipped through there's a couple of teams that slip through they're yeah. like 10 and 12 or 12 and 10 or something but not this group i mean this group you've got homestead against a 24 and 4 lake central squad norwell against the number one team in the state 24 and 2 hamilton heights and then you've got lures taking on a really good lapel team so uh yeah there's no there's nobody that snuck through. These are all good basketball teams, and that creates what I think will be three close games 
I've got Lake Central by six, Norwell by three, and Lures by two. And I will say this. John Harrell, who, of course, is one of the respected uh, website uh, administrators, has uh, uh, done it for years here in Indiana. He picked Homestead to beat Lake Central. All right. Well. <laughs> so I had to play point counterpoint uh, yeah. with, with John Harrell a little bit. <laughs> Well, hopefully Harold got it right. Well, we'll talk to we'll talk to Rod Parker, coach of the Homestead Lady Spartans, in our next hour. Maybe he can change my mind. Maybe. Maybe I'll swing my vote <laughs> later on. I we'll see. Four six eight six two. What do you expect? Uh, did I get it right? Did I get it wrong? Four six eight six two. The Parkview Sports Medicine Text Line. Busy show continues on the other side. Uh, a couple of big events this weekend. Which one are you more excited about? Also. The big game of the night tonight, and it's probably completely off your radar, but I'll explain when we return. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Of course, last weekend it was the Super Bowl. We had one big event to look forward to, and... Everybody got a chance to see a terrific football game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Now that football is done, I don't know if that reality has sunk in yet, that the NFL football season is over. Well, they're already talking about who's getting invites to the combine, so it's not. It's we're right back into well, the cycle. And, and we've got the other season starting too, right? There's not the the oh. the. Rock, the Rock has uh, some kind of football league. I yeah, don't know. I, know I, what have, you're I have about. not watched. I don't know if I'm alone or if other people have. I have not watched a minute of of this other league that, and and there were a couple of them, and now they've merged, and I think yeah. they're playing in the spring. I, yeah, so it's the XFL and the USFL merged to, to form a new UFL Spring Football League, the United Football League, that'll take place in March. Okay, so it's a couple of weeks away before it gets kicked off. But I, I will not watch. By that time, I'm on to baseball. Mm-hmm. Not paying attention to football. Do you pay attention to this type of football? And, I mean, they're also competing in March with March Madness, which is... You've got March Madness, and then you've got, to me, April yeah. is the month of the Masters. Oh, the Masters. I thought you were going to say the start of baseball. No, no. <laughs> First month of baseball, I, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll turn it, turn it in, tune in a couple of times. But yeah. the problem with the first month of baseball is some of it's bad baseball because it's just the weather. I mean, it's not right to turn on the game. Number one, when it's twenty degrees outside at your house, uh, it's like watching golf. I didn't watch any of the Phoenix Open. I usually enjoy watching golf, but I only enjoy watching golf when it's warm where I'm at. <laughs> it just doesn't look right to see everybody else enjoying all the beautiful warm weather. And I'm stuck in 20-some degrees. But for baseball, it's kind of that way. It's like I really get into baseball season when it's, quote, baseball weather. When yeah. you've got those 60, 70-degree days. And uh, and so that's when I'll kind of transition. But I, I do enjoy the Masters. Because because once my basketball fix is over, college football basketball yeah. season ends, I know that I'm only a couple of days away from the Masters. 
Live from Augusta National. I tried to use my golf voice. <laughs> hey, speaking of baseball, did you see that uh, Reds Hall of Fame pitcher Don Gullett passed away today? Oh, man, he's, you know, I'm a huge fan of the big red machine. Had to bring it up. I, that's exactly why I mentioned it. Grew yeah. up with George Foster, Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, and Don Gullett was one of my idols, although he threw with the wrong arm. <laughs> I was a right-hander. He was a left-hander. But yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, and you know, the thing is, I shouldn't be that shocked because I was, what, an eight-year-old kid watching those games, nine-year-old kid, and I'm old now, so I can imagine they're, you know, <laughs> I mean, he had to be about 80 years old, right? A little bit younger. He was actually only 73 when he passed away today. Really? Yeah. Um, well, see, they all looked older because I was eight. Yeah, that And at that, that point, sense. anybody that's like 22 <laughs> looked like an old man. Right. Do you remember, like... When you were a kid. Oh, yeah. How old your grandpa looked. And then you then yeah. you think back and you think, I'm 10 years older than he was at the point. <laughs> I thought he was like, you know, one step into the grave. Right. I, well, I remember being in like elementary school and thinking that high schoolers and like college kids were like the oldest looking people yeah. in the world. Well, I had teachers that I thought, you know, oh, man, that old teacher. And uh, then I'm getting emails as part from the alumni association asking me to come to the celebration of the retirement oh. <laughs> of and i'm like they're just retiring they should have given that up like 25 years ago um i but yeah so it, it's interesting our perspectives because when we're young like that when we're seven eight uh everybody looks like they're old and then when you get old, everybody looks like kids. <laughs> I mean, I look at I look at these high school kids, and I'm like, man, I looked a lot older than they did <laughs> when I when I was in high school. Oh, and and I came across a site thanks to Dute, who led me to a uh, right. site that has old yearbooks. Yep, we had fun with this at uh, the post game show a we couple did. of weeks ago. Uh, you guys were were going back, Dute especially was going back and trying to find the old pictures of me just to see. Uh, number one, did I really play? Because everybody <laughs> finds that. Uh, absolutely fascinating that I did actually play basketball and baseball, <laughs> but uh, the fact that I also had very thick hair back yeah, in the day, man, yeah. I had some real work going on. Good flow. Yeah, really good flow. But um, but it's funny because uh, I, I I went on there and I started looking at like the yearbooks and I see them and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> she looks like she's nine in this picture. And it was like, yeah, I dated her and... <laughs> And it's like, almost feel like, man, today, if I dated somebody that looked like that, well, I wouldn't date somebody like that now. But if I was back in high school dating somebody that looked like that, I feel like I'd be dating like a middle schooler. I don't know if kids look a little older than they did in my day, but I, I just noticed the pictures in the yearbook made everybody look really young. It's a totally different perspective than I had when I was that age. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. I thought we were so grown up at 16. Oh, yeah. And no. Knew everything. Yeah, knew everything. <laughs> 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. So the two big events happening this weekend. Daytona 500. I tell you, we went to the track. No. When we were down there uh, a couple of years ago, With Mastodons the... had the spring tournament, the, yeah. the CBI that they participated in. And the entire event's hosted down in Daytona Beach. And one of the uh, off days... We had a chance to sneak over and get the tour of the track. Unfortunately, we didn't get to go right on the track because there was a <laughs> private uh, event that was going on where they had cars taking people around. But we were able to take the tour all the way around the track. Fascinating to get that tour. 
But the Daytona 500 is this Sunday. And then Sunday night, live from Indianapolis, it's the NBA All-Star Game. Which event is higher on your must-see viewing schedule this weekend? Well, for me, it's definitely the NBA All-Star Game. I'm, I'm definitely more of a basketball fan than a racing fan. Um, but yeah, Daytona 500 is always, always kind of big uh, for racing fans. It kind of kicks their season off. A and to bit. me, uh, uh, something like the Daytona 500 is bigger than NASCAR. Mm-hmm. It's like an annual event that even if you're not big into NASCAR, it still seems like one of those things you want to watch because you understand its status among American sports events. It's, I mean, it's got to be top 10, right? I, Ooh. I, that would be interesting to put together a list of the top 10 sports events annually. That would be interesting. Obviously, Super Bowl. Well, you got, yeah. I mean, Super Bowl is college football playoff championship. Yeah. Is that, does that make it into the top 10? I think it does. Uh, certainly, uh, well, I just talked about it. The Masters. The Masters. Um, I, you know what? Am don't I, give me an all-star game no i was actually going to think kentucky derby but i don't know that, that might be yeah that might be just if, of the cultural impact and if you like big hats it's probably on your list mint junipers or whatever <laughs> they drink down there i don't is know is nfl opening day is that big enough to be one of the i'm just trying to think if you went through a, sp- a sports calendar and came up with the top 10 annual sports events what would be on the list and where would the daytona 500 obviously indy 500 oh, would be yeah. on the list definitely i mean not just uh uh the kentucky derby but that kind of starts may and the indy 500 ends may but i i would think the indy five or the daytona 500 would probably be in a top 10 uh four six uh, final four yeah final four gotta be yeah Definitely. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Does the Daytona 500 make the top 10? Now, the NBA All-Star Game is significant this year because it is in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. You do have Tyrese Halliburton, who's going to be part of the E-Squad. And so uh, we're going to celebrating the NBA All-Star Game this year. And I'm going to be out at uh, the Winner's Circle out in New Haven, Minnick Road. And uh, I'll be out there two to four. We'll have some 1380 The Fan prizes and surprises to give away. So uh, just plan on stopping by. Spend some Sunday afternoon with me. That is at the Winter Circle coming up this Sunday afternoon. But uh, besides that, uh, the NBA All-Star Game then will take place on Sunday night. And are you an NBA All-Star Game watcher? Yes, I, I enjoy it. I mean, I know a lot of people say it's just an offense show and they don't play any defense, but it's still fun to watch for me just because it's I like- a very casual watch for me. And because yeah. there's nothing else on, I probably will have it on. Uh, by the way, the under the radar big game of the night tonight, the Ooh. game that nobody is probably buzzing about and feeling like they got to get home to check out ESPN. But here it is. Detroit Mercy hosting IUPUI. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, sure. Two bad basketball teams. But they're playing each other. And on the line, Detroit Mercy is looking for their first win, and they'll go into the game tonight. Well, as of earlier today, they were a a five-and-a-half-point favorite to get their first victory of the year. They are 0-26, and they are only one of two Division I teams that does not have a win so far this year. 
I wish I had a pack of tickets because I would give tickets to the first person that could tell us <laughs> who is the other team in Division One basketball without a win so far this season. Ooh, I, I do not know. Uh, I don't want to give it away because someone might be trying to text it to us. <laughs> we don't have a prize, but <laughs> we don't have a prize. But it is Mississippi Valley State. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi Valley State played their first 14 games against teams like TCU, Alabama. Um, I mean, they went around and played all the power conference teams. Played 14 straight games in big arenas against power conference teams, and basically they were check collectors. They were not a basketball team out to win games. They And that's where I kind of draw the line because I think it's unfair to those kids. Now, they all get the experiences of playing in those arenas, and I guess for some kids that might be worth getting your butt kicked around for a couple of hours a couple times a week. But... Uh, they were 0-14, and they finally had a home game in January when they got to conference play, and they've not won a conference game, and they've got, I think, if it's, it's either the weakest or second weakest conference in the entire country, and they still have not won their 0-24, Mississippi Valley State. Whew. They played San Francisco, in fact. That was another game. They, the, the Dons. Yeah, the Dons played San Francisco. <laughs> and San Francisco's on a tear right now. Five straight wins. What oh. about Pitt? Woo. Actually, they're helping the Dons net ranking because Pitt all of a sudden is on fire. I think they've won like six of seven and got a win against Virginia last night. Very impressive. Yeah. Uh, and San Francisco, I think, uh, what are they? They're sitting in second place in the West Coast Conference, which is a very difficult conference with St. Mary's, with Gonzaga. And uh, right now you've got San Francisco nine and two, yeah. second place, nine and two in the conference. All right, we got to get a break in. Uh, a lot more to talk about NBA All Star Weekend and a big game for the Pacers tonight to lead into it. But they are on the road. Also, big news of the day: Chris Holtman out at Ohio State. We'll talk about Butler. Another uh, another game, another day. One week later, where Butler comes up short. And we'll tell you what happened last night with the Bulldogs and a quick preview of the Mastodons, not only against Oakland, but the Mastodons women with a huge week this week. And they've got two games at home and we'll tell you who they play and why they are so important. Kent Sterling and Rod Parker join the show. It's all coming up as our number two rolls your way next here on the Sports Rush, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 